Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. God's grace is extensive and wonderful. Even when we take matters into our own hands and preempt His perfect timing, God is merciful, ready to forgive, and ready to reinstate us in His promises. part two of Cheryl's message titled, The Blessing. In ancient civilizations, as in monarchies still today, the blessing or the greater inheritance goes to the oldest child or firstborn. It is Charles who will receive the monarchy, not Anne, Philip, or Andrew. William, not Harry, especially not Harry now. George, not Louis who will receive the blessing. That's the cultural way to do it. We see with Adam that this is not a criteria that God followed. God honored Abel, not Cain, the firstborn. God blessed Seth. God chose Abraham, not Nahor or Haran. God chose Isaac, not Ishmael. God had specified a word to Rebekah that the elder would serve the younger, Genesis 25, 23. And it's this birthright that Esau sold for a pot of stew, Genesis 25, 33. But the third criteria of Isaac, we've got time, we've got convention, is self-gratification. Isaac preferred his eldest son, the hunter, Genesis 25, 28, Isaac loved the stew that Esau made. And by blessing Esau, he was ensuring for himself many pots of stew. It indulged his palate. But God's criteria is totally different than man's criteria. God blesses those who want and pursue his blessing. Those who are indifferent or hostile to God's blessing will never, ever know it. Genesis 26, 5, God said that this blessing was on Abraham because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God blesses his creation. In other words, God blesses what he is allowed to lead, guide, build, and create. God blesses those who seek his criteria for blessing, or seek his ways, seek to meet his requirements for blessing. Esau did not meet the criteria for God's blessing. One, he'd sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. The blessing was due to the one who had the birthright. The blessing was the ratification of the birthright. In most cultures, it was the estate, the material 
estate of the father, his goods, what he had acquired. However, for Abraham and Isaac, the greater blessing was the covenant and promises of God. We see that Esau despised or did not place value on his birthright. His appetite was more important to him than the promises of God. He was a hunter. He wanted what he could acquire for himself. According to Hebrews 12, 16, he did not obey the voice of God. He was a fornicator or an idolater or one who put his own self-indulgence or pleasure above obedience to God. He married Canaanite women, not one, but two. And these Canaanite women were a grief to Rebecca and Isaac. They were idolatrous. They were of the practices and had the priorities of the Canaanites, those without God, those who served other gods. He didn't think of what he was bringing into the covenant family, and he didn't care how it would affect his parents. He was self-centered. He did not keep the commandments, the statutes, or laws, according to Hebrews 12, 16. He was a profane person or one without any appreciation or regard for spiritual principles or promises. Matthew 7, 6, Jesus talks about this attitude when he tells us as Christians, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. You cannot bless a pig. <laughs> you know, if you, if you give a pig something expensive, like a string of pearls, they don't care. It's like Brian says, Barnabas cannot tell the difference between a dog bone, like a milk bone, dog biscuit, and filet mignon. As wonderful as he is, he just swallows the filet mignon whole. We know we've given him pieces of it. And he's just like, how's good? Got any more of anything? Any roadkill? Anything? You know, you just, there's no appreciation for these types of, of treasures. Years ago, when I was um, 13 years old, I had this Bible that I absolutely loved. They don't make them anymore. It was a suede cover and it was just the perfect size and had a snap and just the right weight. And I just loved this Bible. One of my favorite things to do as a young woman was to go to the chapel store and buy a Bible. I mean, it was so fun. And I remember buying this suede Bible. It's just the right size. And we had gone out. We were um, on one of my dad's trips to Hawaii. I was with a group of people. And there was a woman um, that we were just kind of all hanging out with. She had lived in Hawaii. So she was kind of giving us a tour. We were in, um, on the island of Maui. And we were on the main street. And there was this kind of demon-possessed guy, kind of, <laughs> kind of weird, blasphemous guy that she was trying to share the Lord with. And he just kept cursing and he kept you know, just doing all these um, terrible things while she was sharing the Lord with him. And I remember she says, I'm going to give you a Bible. He's like, I don't want a Bible. I'm going to give you a Bible anyway. And she turns around, she goes, who's got a Bible? <laughs> and she grabbed it out of my, my hands, my, my perfectly beautiful beige suede Bible. 
And she handed it to him and says, I'm giving you this. And he took the Bible and in our sight, he began to just rip it up, just rip it apart. And I remember she said, I'll buy you another one. And she never did. I'm just saying, just saying. That woman, if I ever see her, she still owes me a Bible. I think she's in her 90s, but she still owes me a Bible. But I just remembered how he had no regard for something that was so precious to me. You know, my notes were in there. You know, it was just precious to me. I just no regard at all. That's how the profane person is. They have no regard for, for spiritual things. You know, at Calvary, we would give brotherly hugs to one another. We still do sometimes. We just hug, and it's so pure such a healthy touch. And I remember at graduation at my public high school, this guy came up to me and I said, can you believe we graduated? And I went to hug him and he just was like, it was just sick. It was like, get thee behind me, Satan. And it was just, it was like, wow, I have been in the company of those that things are healthy. And I realized he doesn't have regard for purity and for innocence and for the beauty of holiness. He, there was no value to it. So Esau had no practical use for the birthright or the promises of God. They were no value to him, which meant that if they were given to him, he would not safeguard them. He would not pass them down. He would not walk in them. Because already his lifestyle and his choices showed that he would neglect, he could care less about them, and he had no regard for God's word, promises, and way. They would not be esteemed. They would be thrown away. But Jacob had a craving for blessing, which brings us to our third point. Craving for blessing, Genesis 27, 5 through 29. What links would you be willing to go to, to receive God's blessing? How important to you, how essential is God's blessing for your life? Are you going to do it your way? Or are you going to wait and do it God's way because you so desperately want the blessing of God? Do you crave it? Do you long for God to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or, oh, you showed up. You finally got here. How desperate are you to see God's blessing on your children? How desperately are you willing to pray for it? Are you willing to take time out? Are you willing to tell them the way of blessing? Are you willing to exemplify it for them? Rebecca desperately wanted God's blessing on her son, Jacob. She did not seek it because of her preference of of liking Jacob better, but because of God's word to her, because of Jacob's godly character. Jacob had been responsible with the tents of his father, with the management of the household of Isaac. Jacob had not sought a wife among the Canaanite women. He had instead chosen singleness until he would have the godly wife because Jacob wanted the blessing of God. Jacob esteemed, valued, and would do whatever it took to receive the blessing of God. Rebecca instructed Jacob, brought him into a conspiracy to deceive Isaac into blessing the right son. 
Rebecca realized that Isaac was attempting in secret to bless Esau. She herself had received a word from God concerning her sons. Genesis 25, 23, the elder would serve the younger, yet Isaac is attempting to go against the word of God. So Rebecca instructs Jacob, get two young goats and she will make a savory stew that will taste just like anything Esau can get at the mall. (laughs) What she makes with what God has already given to the household of Isaac is just as good as the one that requires going outside of what God has given. Rebecca makes this stew. She dresses Jacob in Esau's clothes. She places goat skin on Jacob's neck and hands, and she sends Jacob into Isaac to receive God's blessing. Now, Jacob has misgivings about this plan that we read in Genesis 27, 12. He says, perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver, really, to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But Rebecca is willing to be cursed herself in order to see God's blessing and the promises of God upon the son that wants them, that will safeguard them, that will hold them tight, who will appreciate and pass them on and live in it. Jacob obeys his mother and Jacob goes into his father pretending to be Esau. Here is where we see the desperation of Jacob. He wants this blessing so badly that he will risk a curse, pretend to be someone he isn't, deceive his own father. But at this, we must stop and remember that God is looking at the heart. He's looking at the one who wants him. In Jeremiah says, God says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Perhaps you would stop me at this moment and say, Cheryl, hopefully not that meanly, Jacob is a deceiver. This is deceit. This is wrong. This is like living out a lie. But the Bible does not make that judgment. The Bible doesn't say, Jacob was wrong. This is terrible. It simply presents what he did to show us the greatness of his desire, the depths of his willingness, and the huge, deep craving that Jacob had for the covenant of God, the promises of God, and the word of God. It is so deep. It is so strong that he'll go to any lengths to get the blessing of God. And though we don't commend the way he uses, we do commend that craving, that deep desire for the blessings of God. Jacob indeed deceives his father. Isaac has misgivings and apprehensions five times. He brings up his apprehensions. We read in Genesis 27, 18 that he says, who are you, my son? Genesis 27, 20, how is it you found it so quickly, my son? Genesis 27, 21, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. 
Genesis 27, 22, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And one final time, Isaac asks, are you really my son Esau? Genesis 27, 24. I think that Isaac knew something was up. Five different times, Jacob had to lie and claim he was Esau. But Isaac blessed Jacob as if he was Esau. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of the heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let the people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. This hardly seems like much of a blessing. It doesn't contain the promises given to Abraham or conferred to Isaac, but it is the ratification of the covenant to the son with the birthright. Moving on, crisis of blessing. There are many who think that God is unfair to bless some and not others. There are those that believe that God should just bless everybody. This is an argument that Paul takes up in Romans 9. Paul states that God has the right to set the criteria by which he will bless. No doubt you have heard people say, if he will only bless through Jesus Christ and not through Buddha and not through Mohammed, though those people are so sincere that I don't want that God. They want to choose the criteria for blessing. But Paul says in, in Romans 9, doesn't God have the right to do with what he owns, whatever he wishes? I mean, do I or do I not have the right with my money to, to give to whatever charity I choose? Should I be forced to give it to a charity that I don't approve of? Should I? Or, or is what I have mine to give? Can't I choose the child that I will give a certain um, inheritance to? I, I, have this, I have this silver plate that my grandfather, my mom gave it to me when I was first married. And her father gave it to her on the day that she got married to my father. And she gave it to me. And the, the forks and knives that have not gone down the garbage disposal, those are the ones that I passed on to my daughter, Kristen. She was the one that most admired it from the time she was a, a child. And I knew she loved the whole history and kind of the, the notion of my grandfather giving it to my mom. Don't I have the right I have other things I'll give to the other children, but don't I have the right to choose? Doesn't God have the right to choose the criteria? One, he's God. One, he owns it. And yet people are like, that's not fair. And that's what we sound when it comes to the, through the clouds in heaven. God has the right. The blessings are his. In Matthew 20, Jesus told the parable of the man who owned the vineyard. And he hired some people in the morning, some people in the mid-morning, some people at noon, some people mid-afternoon, and some people right before the end of the day and sent them into the vineyard. And then he gave them each a denarius for serving in the field. And the people who had borne the heat of the day, they said, that's not fair. We've worked all day and we get the same as those who came in at the last moment. And he said, isn't it my right to give what I have to those who have worked for me? Don't I retain that? 
Are your hearts evil because mine is good? God has the right to set the criteria by which he will bless. There are those who think they should have God's favor in their life, no matter the fact that they reject God or their choice to serve themselves above God. You know, they get mad when things don't go right or go their way. Like, God didn't bless me when I robbed that bank. Their rejection of God's standards and their rejection of God's word. And yet they feel and they're angry at God that he hasn't blessed them. So with Esau, he comes from hunting, expecting the blessing of his father. He has met his father's criteria. He's hunted. He's made the savory stew. He's the eldest, but he has already sold his birthright. Who really, who really is at fault Isaac, who is going against God's word. Isaac, who is conspiring in secret to confer God's blessing on his profane and ungodly son. Esau, who has already forfeited the birthright and therefore should not have the blessing conferred on him. Or Rebekah and Jacob, who desire God's word, esteem the blessing of God, will do anything to be in the covenant of God. You know, we just look at this passage and we're like, shame on you, Jacob. Shame on you, Rebecca. Really? You can tell what I feel. When Esau finds out that Jacob has deceived Isaac and taken the blessing, he cried out with an exceeding bitter cry. This is not repentance. This is bitterness. Because that is what the author of Hebrews tells us. Beware lest any root of bitterness gets planted in you. And then it says, just like Esau, just like Esau, beware bitterness. He pleads for a blessing and he accuses Jacob. Blame is so much easier than repentance, isn't it? Blame. I I know people that live their lives blaming everybody else and never taking responsibility. When you live your life blaming others, you never grow. You never grow. You will become stagnated in that place of bitterness for the rest of your life. And you will never grow. You will never be free. You will, you will never learn from your experience. He accuses Jacob. Isn't he rightly named supplanter? He's taken away my birthright. He's taken away my blessing. He feels in Entitlement. It should just come to me because I'm the oldest. It should just be mine. No matter how I live, no matter how I feel, I should receive the blessing. Isaac then tries to bless Esau, but the blessing seems more like a curse. Let me read it from the Christian Standard Bible. Look, your blessing place will be away from the richness of the land, away from the dew of the sky above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you rebel, you will break his yoke from your neck. You're like, you know what? Maybe no blessing. <laughs> Maybe just be quiet. This is not the blessing you want. You know, I, years ago, I was not feeling well. And I said, Brian, I need to take some aspirin. Will you bring me a piece of toast? And so about 15 minutes later, Brian walks all the way upstairs and he is pinching a piece of toast. Pinching, like he's walking up with it. 
And I said, did you walk all the way upstairs like that? And he goes, yeah. I said, so no napkin, no plate, just here is your toast. It's one of those things like, maybe not. Maybe I don't want that toast. I mean, I don't know, men. God promised he would bless Jacob instead of Esau. However, when Rebecca overheard Isaac planning to do the contrary, she took matters into her own hands. She drew Jacob into a conspiracy to deceive Isaac and procure the ancestral blessing. God expects his servants to carry out their spiritual responsibility by faith. Unfortunately, faith is not always present and matters can become complicated. This story portrays an entire family attempting to carry out their responsibilities in their own strength, without faith, and which produced consequences for generations to come. May we learn to exercise faith in our spiritual responsibilities. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at the consequences of Jacob's actions as we continue our series, Our Great Creator, in the book of Genesis with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.